Hi, everybody. Well, it's been another week in the United States. Oy vey. Just over a week ago, I myself was in Chicago visiting one of my dearest and best and oldest friends. And just a few days after my return to Germany, we get this news of this horrific 4th of July killing spree in Highland Park, home to the Ravinia Music Festival. This really hit very close to home in very many ways, and it's just so dreadful, and I don't even know what to say about it, except that it's very much on my mind, as I'm sure it is on yours as well. Another thing that happened this last week is that the German bass René Pape made some very untoward remarks regarding the Met Chorus's participation in the Pride Parade. He has since issued well-crafted apologies using both his East German heritage and his advancing alcoholism as excuses for his behavior. Not everybody's buying it. Some people want to give him some time and see if he will actually clean up his act. There was a very interesting discussion going on on my Facebook page about it this past week. So if you want to read that, please just go to my page, which I believe this entry is open to the general public. There's a wide range of opinion on this, from what he said wasn't homophobic, to cancel him outright. I'm taking a stance that's a little bit more conciliatory, but it's definitely a wait-and-see attitude overall. Finally, of course, we're seeing these horrific Supreme Court decisions, one after the other, that have really undermined democracy in the United States. I think it's interesting that some of the music covered today in the episode will reflect on, shall we say, interventionist governments. And also, in a different matter, on disinformation and fake news. Finally, if you want to support the podcast, I always invite my listeners to go to patreon.com slash countermelody, where you can pledge your financial support, either monthly or yearly, to the upkeep of the podcast. No new supporters to welcome this week, but perhaps that will change. Thank you always for your support. And now, let's get on with today's episode. Welcome to Counter Melody, the podcast on great singers and great singing. As always, I am your host, Daniel Gundlach. No preaching here, no lecturing, well, maybe just a tiny bit of each, but the primary spotlight will always be on the singers that enrich and enhance our lives, no matter what is going on in the world around us. Thanks for joining me. This week's episode. The subject today is the American soprano Patricia Newway, one of the most versatile and compelling artists to appear on a variety of stages in the mid 20th century. You don't know Patricia Newway? Ah, but I think you do. What about this? 
Patricia Newway created the role of the Mother Abbess in Rodgers and Hammerstein's last musical, The Sound of Music. As such, she was the one who introduced that song, Climb Every Mountain, to the world. And for that performance, she was awarded a Tony as Best Featured Actress. I have to say, these hymnic Rodgers and Hammerstein numbers evoke a pretty complicated response in me. But man, do they pack an emotional punch. And I remember, as a small child, listening to this very recording. It wasn't part of my family's collection, but my Aunt Judy had it. And I remember very specific phrasings, dynamics, and textual inflections that Patricia Newey uses in her version, transforming what can too often be merely a sturdy, generic, uplifting song into something both more deeply personal and also more universal. And in that regard, though this song may have been sung better by later interpreters, In terms of its specificity and directness, I don't think anyone has ever given a more beautiful, more moving performance of this song than did Patricia Newway. Now, who was Patricia Newway? She was a Brooklyn-born dramatic soprano of Irish heritage who was celebrated both for the intensity of her acting, the plangency of her singing, and her extraordinary acting ability. Patricia Mary Newway was born on the 30th of September, 1919, and died at the age of 92 on the 24th of January, 2012. She was famed in particular for two legendary Broadway portrayals, The Mother Abbess, as we just heard, and the role of Magda Sorel in Giancarlo Menotti's Broadway opera, the Consul, which premiered in March 1950, and which she went on to perform countless times around the world. She was also an advocate for new music and participated in a large number of premieres of American operas 
and songs. In 1959, she presented a live concert featuring contemporary settings of the poems of her Irish compatriot, James Joyce, which she subsequently recorded. I'll be sprinkling excerpts from that recording throughout the entire episode today. Let's start with this one, a setting by Israel Sitkowitz of James Joyce's poem, Strings in the Earth and Air. You may not have heard of Israel Sitkowitz, but he, in fact, was the second husband of Lady Caroline Blackwood, that legendary heiress of the Guinness fortune who was also married to Lucian Freud and the poet Robert Lloyd. Apart from his marital associations, Israel Sitkowitz was a composer not so well remembered today, but one who produced a small but satisfying body of work, including settings of James Joyce's poems from his collection Chamber Music, of which this is one. of this episode, I will be playing excerpts from a number of rare recordings and kinescopes that were done in the 1950s. And in each case, I will be posting links to the kinescopes that are available on YouTube. And I encourage you strongly to take a look at those as well to gain a fuller appreciation of the greatness of Patricia Newway. These will be posted at countermelodypodcast.com. I would submit to you that Patricia Newway's most significant artistic contribution was her creation of the role of Magda Sorel in Giancarlo Menotti's 1950 opera, The Consul, which she first portrayed on March 1, 1950, at the Schubert Theater in Philadelphia, which went on to also play on Broadway, as well as receiving an original cast recording, which starred Newway, alongside Marie Powers and a young Cornell McNeil. For this work, Menotti won his first of two Pulitzer Prizes, and the piece was performed and acclaimed around the world. The opera is a sometimes crude but extraordinarily powerful indictment of totalitarian governments. It's set in an unidentified Eastern European country in which John Sorel, a political dissident, is on the run from the secret police. His wife, Magda, desperate to save her husband, makes numerous visits to the consulate where she pleads her case with a heartless secretary. 
Certainly, the most powerful scene is the one that takes place at the end of the second act on her second visit to the consulate, where Magda, in frustration, berates the heartlessness of the bureaucracy that keeps her and so many others like her in chains. Newway stated in a 1950 interview that she had had her own experiences as a child with such red tape. At the age of 11, she was hit by a car and her father sued the driver. At the time of this interview in 1950, she stated, I didn't know what was false and what was real anymore. I hated it. All lawyers, judge, jury, all the tricks and waiting and delay. Newway went on to perform this role time and time again around the world, and every time her magnificent portrayal brought audiences screaming to their feet. I'm playing a recording for you today from a 1960 film version that was made for an early version of pay-per-view, and which for many years lay dormant and forgotten until VAI Video rescued it and released it in the year 2004, for which we owe a huge debt of gratitude to Alan Altman, the head of VAI. I'm playing that version for you today rather than the studio recording that was made at the time of the premiere because in the intervening 10 years, Newway's performance has acquired a different level of intensity and immediacy. Her voice may not be in the first flush of youth any further, but it is more than powerful enough. We also hear in this recording the American mezzo-soprano Regina Sarfati as a wonderful, if heartless, secretary. As powerful as the audio aspect of this performance is, one really has to see Newey in action to gain full appreciation of the power of her interpretation. She was an exponent of method acting, but there is also a spontaneity and immediacy that grabs you by the throat. Next! Any news for me? What is your name? Don't you remember me? And why should I remember you? But my name is Sorrel, Magda Sorrel. remember now. Did you bring the missing documents? But I've already told you. I cannot possibly get all those documents you want. They won't give them to me. What do you expect us to do then? Surely there must be a way you can help me. Documents or no documents. I must get away. The secret police are after me. Day after day they come to my house questioning, threatening. I am Please, just let me speak to him. It would be useless. 
I said, sign here. Please. 
Schlagen's mother is dying. My own life is in danger. I ask you for help, and all you give me is papers. What is your name? I'm so Cover of hair, cover of eyes. Single of my religion and grace. Place of birth, mother's name, mother's Oh, 
Now, just in case you thought that she was only capable of statuesque nobility and heart-rending intensity, I'm going to offer you a contrasting selection from another opera, much less well-known, that she created in 1963, opposite bass baritone Norman Traigel. This is Carlisle Floyd's opera, The Sojourner and Molly Sinclair. It's a very complicated plot. It has to do with Scottish settlers in the Carolinas. It was premiered at the East Carolina College School of Music in 1963 and subsequently telecast. And what we're hearing here is a very brief excerpt from the end of this short piece between the two title characters, The Sojourner, who speaks for his Scottish clan, and Molly Sinclair, a sassy, brash, and, as she is referred to in this excerpt, Banshee, who represents a more forward-looking Scottish settler in the Carolinas. The performance is led by Julius Rudell, and this, as I said, is the audio of the telecast from December 1963. For we'll leave an ailing man in peace. May God deliver us from your complaints. You've more complaints than Job. You're still a vexing ill-tempered old goat. But at least you're no longer a toady goat. <laughs> Must I endure more abuse from you? Must I be gnashed by your viper's tongue? Must I be? Must I be? Must I be? Who knows what manner of man you'd be with a woman's warm and tender Better than being the laird of many is being the laird of also had a wonderful way with a Broadway standard. In 1953, she participated in a recording of excerpts from Jerome Kern's musical The Cat and the Fiddle, which deals with the romantic entanglements of two composers representing two different worlds, a young American woman who's writing a musical and an older Belgian operatic composer. This is the song Try to Forget, and in this 1953 recording, Lehman Engel, who was such a vital force in the Broadway musical, conducts the orchestra. The night that you met me, you went on and let me believe that you'd want me to care. I couldn't doubt you, for something about you seemed fair and square. 
Your love voice was calling, I felt myself falling, I thought I knew you, so gave myself to you there. But now I've lost your heart somehow. Try to forget, won't you? enormity of her voice and its sometimes unwieldy quality, Patricia Newway also possessed a very solid technique that allowed her to maintain control over her instrument and lent it an unexpected flexibility. I have found a 1953 recording that she did of four cantatas by Dietrich Buxtehude. Now, these are very 1950s-style performances. I have previously on the podcast featured such full-bodied Baroque performances, which I've sometimes referred to jokingly as full-figured Baroque. This is definitely one of those kinds of performances, but I hope that you can see beyond that and hear the extraordinary musicality that New Way brings to her performance. This performance is led by the violinist Arnold Black, who leads the so-called Allegro Chamber Players. This is from Buxtehude's cantata Singet dem Herrn ein neues Lied. It's the recit, der Herr lasset sein Heil verkündigen, followed by a short aria, er gedenkt an seine Gnade. Oh, <laughs> 
Now, once again, let's revisit that recording of James Joyce songs. Here is a setting by that artistic polymath, John Gruen, who became better known as a photographer, a biographer, and critic than as a composer. But at the beginning of his long life, he wanted to establish himself as a composer. And in fact, Patricia Newway and Eleanor Stieber were both early interpreters of those songs. Here's a particularly haunting setting of James Joyce, his poem, Watching the Needle Boats at San Saba. And this is, again, from Patricia Newway's recording of songs by James Joyce. The pianist here is Robert Colston. Patricia Newey took her Magda Sorel all around the world, including London and Paris, where she received a thunderous reception, and where, for two seasons, she also sang as a lead soprano at the Opéra Comique. In the summer of 1952, she also appeared in the title role of Iphigenie en Tauride at the Festival Aix-en-Provence. Her performance there with fellow singers... Léopold Simonon, Pierre Mollet, and Robert Massard, all of whom we have heard recently in small snippets sprinkled throughout the podcast, are led by the conductor Carlo Maria Giulini. And here she is singing that incredibly noble aria, O Malheureuse Iphigenie. Once again, we hear her extraordinary vocal control, as well as a statuesque centered quality that gave her Mother Abbas and her Magda Sorel such enormous power.
other operatic roles that Patricia Newey assumed were, back at the very beginning of her career in 1946, Fior di Ligi in Così Fantute, Tosca at the Opera Comique, the female chorus in the U.S. premiere of Benjamin Britten's Rape of Lucretia, which, by the way, also played on Broadway, fascinatingly, and Katyusha in Franco Alfano's Risurrezione, a verismo tour de force in which we heard Magda Olivero in a live performance back when I did my episode on her about a year and a half ago. Another contemporary opera in which Patricia Newey made an extraordinarily important appearance was in Dialogues of the Carmelites, which was first introduced to U.S. audiences via a 1957 telecast by the NBC Opera, with whom Patricia Newey appeared numerous times, including, again fascinatingly, in 1953 as Verdi's Lady Macbeth. This production of Dialogues really pulled out all the stops. It was stunningly cast, featuring, as it did, not only Patricia Newey as Madame de Croissy, the old prioress, but also the young Leontine Price as the new prioress, Judith Raskin, who's going to be featured on an upcoming episode, as Sister Constance, Elaine Malbin as Blanche, Robert Roundsville, who created the role of Candide on Broadway, among many other things, as her brother, and Rosemary Kuhlman, who played the secretary in the console opposite Patricia Newey on Broadway, as well as creating the role of the mother in Amal and the Night Visitors by Menotti as Mother Marie. We're going to hear a brief excerpt from this extraordinary kinescope, which has recently resurfaced and is viewable on YouTube. This is the first part of Madame de Croissy's death scene, in which she speaks with the Mother Marie of Rosemary Kuhlman about Blanche de la Force and why this newest member of the order has moved her so deeply. Once again, friends, you gotta watch the whole scene. Please go to the link in the show notes and watch the intensity with which Patricia Newey's Madame de Croissy gives up the ghost. It's something to see, even in the very grainy audio quality. It's a miracle that these documents exist, and it's important, I suggest to you, that we study them and learn from them. Would you be so kind to Oh, <laughs> 
Today's episode is the first in a summer series that I'm doing about music in New York City mid-century, approximately 1950 through 1975. We will be hearing a wide range of musical styles and performers, but a big part of the focus will be on singers who performed at New York City Opera. In 1951, Patricia Newey made her debut there in the now-forgotten opera The Dybbuk by composer David Tamkin, which also incidentally, featured Robert Roundsville, who was also in that Dialogues of the Carmelites telecast, from that debut through her final appearances at NICO 15 years later in 1966. She had a wide range of roles, indeed. Both mezzo and soprano parts, including the world premiere of Hugo Weisskall's Six Characters in Search of an Author, based, of course, on the Pirandello play, in which Beverly Sills also appeared. Other roles included Marie and Wozzeck, the governess in Britain's Turn of the Screw, Herodias in Strauss's Salome, Santuzza, and works by composers Mark Bucci and Carla Floyd. At City Opera, she also continued her association with the work of Giancarlo Menotti, appearing as the mother in Amal and the Night Visitors, a reprise of Magda in the Consul, Madame Flora, a contralto role in the medium, and as another mother in Menotti's newly minted 1958 opera, Maria Golovin, which was commissioned by NBC Opera and first premiered at the Brussels World Fair in 1958, a production underwritten by NBC Opera, which also saw to the work's U.S. premiere in a failed Broadway production the same year. The piece is virtually forgotten today, but again, a kinescope of the 1959 NBC Opera Theater production has recently surfaced on YouTube and is essential viewing for those who love opera, who love Menotti, of whom the number seems to be dwindling these days, and for those who love great acting and singing. Two other striking singers were featured in Maria Golovin. First, in the title role, the Italian-American soprano Franca Duval, who unfortunately does not seem to have made much of an impact career-wise beyond her assumption of the title role here. Also appearing for the first time in a starring role was the bass baritone Richard Cross, whom, we are told, was plucked from the chorus to appear in this opera, and went on to have a highly significant career as both singer and teacher, especially at Yale, alongside his wife, Doris Yerrick Cross. I'm going to offer an excerpt from Maria Golovin, but first let me tell you a tiny bit about the story. It takes place again in an unidentified European country which is suffering the ravages of war. A young woman, Maria Golovin, with her young son, comes to stay as a renter in the villa of a woman portrayed by Patricia Newey and identified simply as the mother. Her son, Donato, is portrayed by the young Richard Cross, has been blinded in the war. He proceeds to fall in love with Maria Golovin, and needless to say, there is a highly melodramatic and deeply tragic conclusion to the opera, where he loses his mind and attempts to shoot Maria, but, well, I 
don't want to go into too much detail here. It's Minotti, after all, and highly melodramatic. We'll just leave it at that. But this is an excerpt from the second act. This is one of the high points of the score, and it illustrates how deftly Minotti is able to blend a highly dramatic plot point with the consecutive lyricism of a beautiful ensemble. In this case, a quartet for the three women, which includes the maid Agatha, portrayed here by the mezzo-soprano Genia Las, Maria Golovin, and the mother, as they take on a household embroidery task together and reminisce to themselves about their younger lives with the son Donato observing them from a distance and comparing them to the three fates. Too often, Minotti is simply dismissed as a bit of a melodramatic hack, but I want you to hear in this excerpt what a skillful compositional moment this is. So at the very beginning, at the dramatic moment, I'm using the kinescope. And then when we go into the trio, I'm cutting to the studio recording, which was made in Rome the summer after the premiere in Brussels in 1958. By the way, there is a letter for you. It must be right there on the table. From your husband, perhaps? Oh, no. It is from an old school friend of mine. She lied to me. Thank you. I'm glad she lied. Oh, I know what she is. At last, I am free. Liar!
One more setting of a James Joyce text, this an excerpt from the six commentaries on Ulysses set by the Russian-American composer Thomas de Hartmann, who's yet another extraordinarily fascinating figure who studied under Rimsky-Korsakov. His ballet, The Pink Flower, was premiered by none other than Sergei Diaghilev in 1907. 
Subsequently, de Hartmann was a protege of the Russian mystic and philosopher George Gurdjieff and also composed a wide range of music, sometimes in collaboration with Gurdjieff. He died in New York in 1956. This is a setting of Waltz of the Hours and again is from that circa 1959 recording with Newway and Robert Colston. From a corner the morning hours run out, gold-haired, slim in girlish blue, wasp-waisted with innocent hands. Nimbly they dance, twirling their skipping ropes. The hours of noon follow in amber gold, laughing linked, high hair combs flashing. They catch the sun in mocking mirrors, lifting their arms. The morning and noon hours melt in the places turning, advancing to each other, shaping their curves, bowing. Descending to touching, rising from their shoulders, touching, rising from their shoulders, rising from their shoulders. You may touch mine. May I touch yours? May I touch yours? Oh, Another role that New Way created was the part of Geraldine in Samuel Barber's mini-opera, A Hand of Bridge, which lasts less than 10 minutes and which premiered at Spoleto in 1959. The libretto is by Barber's sometime partner, Giancarlo Menotti. The opera depicts a bridge game in which two couples muse privately about their own personal woes. Geraldine, the New Way character, laments her unlovability and mourns the death of her love for both her husband and her lover, who is the other male partner in the game, as well as dreading the impending death of her own mother. This is from the original recording that was made the year after the Spoleto premiere, and Vladimir Goldschmann leads the Symphony of the Air. The Queen! You have trumped the Queen!
New Way's appearances in the 1960s dwindled, but included such important portrayals as Lady Tiang in the Lincoln Center revival of The King and I in 1964, and appearances at San Francisco Opera in 1966 as the governess in Britain's Turn of the Screw, and in 1972 as Mrs. Begbick in Quartfiles Mahagonni, which was, as far as I can determine, her final new role. She also appeared in 1970 in Menotti's stage play, The Leper, in which she played the Queen. In the 1960s, she also founded the New Way Opera Company, which was, in effect, an early opera workshop. In 1968, she married her second husband, John Byrne, and effectively retired with him to the town of Corinth, Vermont, where they lived together until his death on their 40th anniversary in 2008, and her death in January 2012. I must offer a very brief postlude to all of this. It's quite puzzling, but a rumor has arisen that Patricia Newway and a woman named Frances Breeze were one and the same person. Frances Breeze was also born in the year 1919. She taught on the faculty of William and Mary College between 1973 and 1981. In 1974, Frances Breeze appeared as the mother in a local production of Amal and the Night Visitors. Some publicity that surrounded her appearance at that time claimed that she had created the roles of Magda Sorel in the Consul and the Mother Abbess in The Sound of Music. This false information was perpetuated by the person who sang Amal with her in that performance, who has posted on YouTube a clip of Patricia Newway's Magda Sorel, referring to her as Patricia Newway, a.k.a. Frances Breeze. I have done a certain amount of research into this, and I can tell you with virtual assurance that Frances Breeze is not Patricia Newway, in spite of any claims to the contrary. It's just another example, I guess, of fake news avant la lettre. Anyway, I just needed to clear that up because this rumor persists, but it is, as far as I can determine, 100% false. As I close off this episode, let us turn once again to the true subject of this podcast, Patricia Newway. Shortly before her second marriage, Patricia Newway appeared in a television production of Carousel, in which she sang the part of Nettie Fowler. And the soundtrack of that performance is available for us to listen to and watch. I'm going to close the episode today with her performance of You'll Never Walk Alone, another one of those Rodgers and Hammerstein anthems. I have to say, these days, many of us feel like we're walking alone. It's so funny or strange or something that Patricia Newway's greatest portrayal, that of Magda in the console, is an indictment of government interference in people's lives. And yet, what is going on in the United States right now but a radical right-wing Supreme Court that is undermining the very foundations of our democracy? Let us not feel like we're walking alone. We have to pull together. We have to fight against 
this, and I will not apologize for getting political at this last moment. We have to walk on with hope in our hearts, or we are lost. So let us follow Patricia Newway's advice and walk on together with hope in our hearts. My dear friends, I look forward to joining together with you again next week for the second in this summer series. When you Daniel Kuntlach.